Hi there. Thanks for tuning in to the GeForce Podcast, a show for car enthusiasts by car enthusiasts. For the second time this week, I've got some fun car news I want to share on the show. Now, going back to kind of what a car really stands for, it's technically a tool with its purpose to transport people and goods quickly over land. The first examples of automobiles weren't competing with a huge automotive market, rather they were competing with horses. If we look up car in the dictionary, we'd probably see something in the lines of a tool for moving goods and people using an engine or motor connected to a set of wheels as a mode of propulsion. That's pretty boring. Thankfully, cars eventually stopped competing against horses and started competing against each other specifically on the racetrack. That spurred road car development, taking the race-driven upgrades and putting them down on the streets. And as we've mentioned previously on GeForce, race car tech trickling down to road cars has historically been a very good thing. Now a lot of manufacturers have created cars that perform well and have good race tech. Many of those have produced sports cars, Cars that have a sole purpose, to drive fast and handle well. From the Chevy Corvette to the Toyota Supra, most of the major automakers have produced a sports car at some point. Some approach sports car production with a sense of lunacy and fun. The 2011 Mercedes C63 with its huge V8 making ridiculous power and torque comes to mind. This Merc could light up its rear tires pretty much on command, and was better at going around corners sideways than pretty much anything else. Other manufacturers approach sports car development in a very different way. For them, sports cars are a serious business and require serious attention, research, and development. They push the limits of what can be transferred from the track tech to a road-going car while keeping it legal and usable and tune and tweak test mules for many thousands of hours. That being said, some of these manufacturers still keep the fun factor and driver engagement as being top priorities. As a result, these select few manufacturers often set the benchmark for new sports car development, both with performance and driver engagement. When talking about sports car benchmarks, The last 20 years really have been led by one manufacturer in particular, Porsche. The 911 is one of the all-time great sports cars, a name that has lived on for almost 60 years. But the pinnacle sports car 911 has to be the GT3 line. Starting from the 996 generation, Porsche has taken their base 911, put it on a diet given it more power and better brakes, and redesigned the suspension in order to take the definition of a sports car to the limit. Oh, and they throw on a big wing and some huge aero packages just for an added bonus. Those highlight the ways that Porsche has built the GT3 in the past, which in essence has created the benchmark that other manufacturers use to compare against their own cars both sports cars and even supercars. As I mentioned, the GT3 moniker for Porsche streetcars came out about 20 years ago, 
with the 996 generation of the GT3. A flat 6 engine paired with a 6-speed manual, the car was a fantastic machine for tearing up twisty roads and hitting the apex of every turn on the racetrack. Each generation of the 911 after the 996 has more or less followed this formula. Less weight, more brakes and power, suspension updates, big aero, to make a GT3 out of a normal 911. And each version that came out has reset the benchmark for all sports cars. Although the cars have gotten more technology, and specifically more computers, the recent generations of the GT3 Porsche still have the core character. A driver's car, something that engages all the driving sensations. That's the GT3 way. Well, yesterday, Porsche released their newest GT3, the 992 GT3. They claim it's their 7th generation of the GT3, saying that the 996, 997, and 991 generations each had two GT3s, but in reality it's more or less a 4th generation GT3. Anyway, I think this is just some sort of marketing gimmick to convince people that there's a lot of development that's going into GT3s now but we really don't need to talk about that. What really matters is the following. The car has been significantly improved over the outgoing generation. First, it's got a completely redesigned suspension system with the key update coming from the double wishbone assembly for the front axle. Porsche essentially pulled this from the track only 911 RSR to improve steering precision and feel. It'll make the car more stable in turns, allowing the driver to attack corners harder. There's also brand new aero, with some vents in the front hood for air to flow over the front and push the car down. Then there's the huge redesigned rear wing. It actually uses swan neck mounts. The wing has mounts on the top that bend over and connect to the car's chassis. This reduces turbulent airflow on the wing making it more efficient and produce more downforce. The car still keeps the classic GT3 powertrain, a flat 6 that's naturally aspirated and it's mounted in the rear of the road going 911s. This is actually a really important point. The 992 is the first generation of Porsche that's being introduced with a base model that's turbocharged. The idea is that Porsche wants to downsize engines in their entry-level vehicles, but they also want to keep the power levels up over the previous generation. Hence the transition to twin turbos on even their base model cars. So if the GT3 doesn't have turbos, it's got to make less horsepower than a lawnmower, right? Nope. It's a 4.0 liter engine that makes 503 horsepower up 10 over the outgoing 991.2 GT3. 0 to 60 takes 3.4 seconds, and the car will top out just shy of 200 miles per hour, with the engine singing all the way up to 9,000 RPM. Needless to say, the 992 GT3 has got one beauty of an engine. How does the 992 GT3 get the power to the road? Well, just like the previous GT3s, all the power goes to the rear wheels. 
Now, the most classic form of a GT3 sends the power through a 6-speed manual transmission, as was the case for the 996 and 997 GT3s. For those cars, the manual was the only option. However, in the 991 GT3, Porsche introduced the car with no manual option. Only Porsche's very fast PDK gearbox. The PDK is a brilliant gearbox and is probably the best dual clutch transmission out there, but it still doesn't quite have the character of a manual gearbox. And it seems like a lot of consumers agreed with me because they pressed Porsche to release a 991 GT3 with the manual. So the refresh, the 991.2 gen, came out with the option for a manual. So the new 992, this brand new GT3, did Porsche learn from their misstep with the 991 and offer a manual? You betcha they did. Remember, this is Porsche, so they overanalyze everything, including consumer trends. This new GT3 will come with both the manual and also a PDK transmission option. Here's the deal though. The GT3 has a sibling, the GT3 RS. We haven't gotten confirmation of a GT3 RS for the 992 Porsche, but we've seen it in every pre previous generation so far. The GT3 RS is the more hardcore, performance-focused version of the GT3, which is the more hardcore, performance-focused version of the 911. That means we'll most likely see more speed and performance coming from an upcoming RS version, while the GT3 for the 992 will keep driver engagement as its main priority. So I guess that implies that this 992 GT3 isn't as fast as Porsche could have made a car. But does that really matter? For a GT3, speed is definitely important, but only because it improves the experience of driving the car. By focusing on driver engagement, and with the goal to create a car that tempts the driver to just drive it, Porsche have truly made a proper GT3. But also, the 992 GT3 will apparently do a lap of the Nürburgring in under 7 minutes, which is mind-bogglingly fast. So clearly, it's still fast enough to be the new performance benchmark for sports and supercars. I really hope we see more manufacturers focus on building cars like the GT3. Sure, speed and performance are very important, but the reason they've always been important to real drivers is not to show off, but rather to have the time of your life driving. This GT3 is not only a performance benchmark, but a model for how to make a proper enthusiast's car. We discussed the new Audi e-tron GT, now this new GT3. Can we go 3 for 3 with new cars this week? Tune in to Friday's episode. The Brits might have something up their sleeves for us to talk about. Mm -hmm.